This podcast was brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on Sirius XM. Welcome to Mind Your Business on Sirius XM's Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. I'm Lauren Feldman. I'm Chief Content Officer for the Oxford Center for Entrepreneurs. My uh, assignment for the Oxford Center is to build a content platform for business owners, uh, but I'll let you know more about that as we get a little further along. Uh, thanks for joining us today. Uh, we usually have something of a free-for-all here. We uh, look for questions and discussions about just about any and all topic topics that could affect somebody who's running a business. Uh, but today we want to focus on one particular topic, and that topic is open book management. Um, I'm hoping we can try to... Uh, understand two uh, seemingly contradictory things. On the one hand, I can tell you from personal experience and lots of conversations over more than a decade that the the happiest owners I meet, the happiest employees I meet, are uh, people who work at open book management companies. Um, The companies that I know that practice open book tend to love it. Uh, Among the true believers, it has developed really something like a cult-like following. On the other hand, um, it, it's it's a fairly small cult, and uh, I rarely meet anyone who has any idea what open book management is, uh, unless they're a, a member of the cult, so to speak. Um, which prompts kind of an interesting question: if 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 this strategy, if open book management is so smart, why doesn't everybody do it? Uh, I'm hoping we'll get into that a little bit today. Uh, As this show proceeds, I very much hope some of you will call in and let us know what you're thinking. Does this whole idea make sense to you? Have you heard of it before? Uh, Do you have any experience with it? Have you thought about trying it? If you thought about it, thought about it, but you haven't done it. uh, What are your reservations? What's kept you from trying it? Uh, You can reach us at 1-844-WHARTON. That's 1-844-942-7866. But to get us started, let me welcome uh, my guest, Chris McKee is founder and CEO of an accounting firm in Dallas called Venturity. Chris recently became a, uh, a card-carrying member of the, uh, the open book management cult, as I'm uh, referring to it. He probably will object to that, I'm guessing. Um, and he's going to tell, but he's going to join us now and tell us how this has worked out for him. Welcome to the show, Chris. Hey, Lauren. Thanks for having me on the show and giving me the opportunity. Uh, my pleasure. Uh, am I completely wrong in calling it a cult, uh, Chris? Do you know what I'm referring to? <laughs> well, it certainly is a, uh, a, a small subset of businesses. Um, uh, but I, I, I will tell you from the passion standpoint, I think cult's probably not far off. Those of us okay, who good. do it. And I was a reluctant convert but, uh, <laughs> to, to stay with the, the cult. Um, uh, you know, uh, uh, methodology or whatever. I, I was reluctant to come to it, but like once you really, once you really start practicing it and you get your team involved, um, you really do become extremely passionate, and your team becomes passionate as well. Well, let's talk about that. How, how you uh, got into it? You you founded uh, your accounting firm when? Uh, in two thousand and one. And. Um, so, you know, that's a good bit of time ago. It, it wasn't until just the last couple of years that you decided to adopt uh, the practices of open book management. What what got you thinking about it? Yeah, I think for us, you know, we've been in business for, for quite a while and, and had some success and, and grown. Um, and I think the there were a couple of different pieces. Uh, one, you know, we were trying to kind of increase the level of communication and transparency with our team. And we were transparent about a lot of things, but not our financials. And a big piece of what held me back was just wondering what everyone's reaction would be. Um, But we were also struggling overall with improving profitability. We've always been a profitable company, but not as profitable as, uh, as as a successful business is. We were modestly profitable. And we tried a lot of different things to help move the needle. And a lot of it was just me and, and my other management team members sort of running around telling people, uh, you know, do better at this, be more efficient here. And we weren't having a lot of success. And, and so, I don't know, about five years ago or so, I'd heard about um, open book management and in particular the great game of business, which is the way that we practice open book management. And my first reaction was, 
wow, that sounds great, but I, I could never do that. I'm, I'm really, uh, as an accountant, sort of loathe to kind of share all that information. You know, we tend to keep conf- financial information confidential. But L- Let's back yeah. up for one second and sure. um, t- tell us, as you were first exposed to it, what was your understanding of you know, the, the theory? Why would a business want to share its financials in a more transparent way with employees? What, what did you learn about that? Well, uh, I think that the big piece is by being transparent and, and uh, educating the team on the financials and the, the, the underlying business, um, they understand how they fit into the business uh, more effectively, and they, they understand how they impact the business. And, and so that's really the, the, the biggest reason is, is once they understand how they fit into the business, how the decisions they make every day affect its profitability, then they start to make better decisions about um, how they spend their time and what they do and, and what they spend money on. So this is interesting coming from um, somebody who started in an accounting business. I mean, the temptation is to think that your team of accountants would already have been pretty familiar with those <laughs> notions, at least as compared to, you know, a manufacturing business or a retail business or a restaurant or, or some other line of work. Um, wouldn't you have thought that? Yeah, uh, I think that was a piece that was that was really surprising. Um and uh, it has their, their financial knowledge has helped us in once we have gone open book management. But while my team spends time closing the books for companies every day and seeing financials for companies every day, they really hadn't spent much time thinking about our business, the business that they work in. And it was funny because when we uh, first rolled out open book management, before we opened the financials, I asked our team what they thought our revenue and and our net income was you know just to take a guess and i had them write it on a piece of paper and pass it to the middle of the table and um you know we were at the time about um a four and a half million dollar business um with about 40 45 people and uh, these are relatively financially knowledgeable people they guessed anything from annual revenue of five hundred thousand to fifty million (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, uh, you know, the, it was obvious that it's not that they're not bright people and they don't know financials, but even with that knowledge, they hadn't really stopped to think about how that knowledge applies to our business. That's really interesting. Um, you know, <laughs> there's often a debate among journalists about, you know, who's a reliable source of financial information uh, about a company that you might be writing about. And, you know, there's a theory that, well, you know, any employee might have a pretty good feel uh, for uh, what a company is um, taking in in revenue and making in in profits. And you've kind of just exploded that theory. If a team of accountants (laughs) wasn't sure what the firm um, or or wasn't necessarily even in the right ballpark in terms of what the uh, firm was taking in, then, you know, how's that going to work at any other business? Um, but it also gets to something else interesting, which is I know w- one thing that some people are hesitant about, and I'm curious whether this was one of the things that slowed you down, is they, they worry about the idea that, well, suddenly employees are going to see how much profit the business is making. And if it's not a lot, they're going to be nervous and want to go somewhere else. If it is a lot, they're going to be uh, resentful. Um, I know one of the standard answers to that is uh, from, the, from people who uh, preach open book is you know what whatever employees uh, whatever you your employees think you're making they probably think you're making a lot more than you really are and if you're worried about the resentment side of that don't because they already assume that the business is doing you know much better than it really is was that something that factored into your thinking yeah I think uh, going into it I had the same thoughts uh, if it's if I'm making uh, too much that they're, they're gonna, there's going to be some, hey, why am I working so hard to line his pockets? And then on the flip side, if we ever got in trouble, which, you know, in a couple of points in our history, we've, we've been, we have been unprofitable, and these are accountants, and they might say, I'm going to jump ship. Um, and um, I think what got me, I had also heard what you heard, which is that they probably think you're making a lot more than you, 
than you make. And people are people. If you've taken the risk to start a business, are often willing to give you the benefit of the doubt. Hey, uh, you know, I, I I get that he's probably making uh, uh, making money, and he should probably be paid well because all the risk is his too, um, his or hers. So, um, you know, for me, what finally got me over it was we weren't having much success at moving the needle, and uh, I needed to just set all those fears aside and just trust. And 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 that was that was tough, but but big. You're listening to Mind Your Business. I'm Lauren Feldman. My guest is Chris McKee, CEO and founder of Venturity, a Texas-based accounting firm. And we're talking about his decision to implement open book management uh, at the firm. Uh, If you uh, have any experience with this, if you've thought about it, or you're just hearing it for the first time and you have a question about how it works, give us a call. We're at 1-844-WHARTON. That's 1-844-942-7800. Six six. Um, take us through uh, the the process a little bit, uh, Chris. I know with with a lot of companies, um, you know they, they they quickly realize you you can't just just share the financials with employees and expect them to understand everything that's suddenly been put in front of them. Um, maybe you could working with 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 accountants. Uh, did you did you have to? What, what was involved in, in rolling that out? Yeah, we didn't take for granted that everyone really understood um, the business side of the, our business, if you will. So while they might be able to look at the financials, it might be hard for them to see the business behind it. And so by just by not assuming that they already knew everything, we said let's let's just start with the let's start with the basics and let's make sure that we over communicate. And I think that's going to be true in any business. We happen to have a group of individuals that have a solid foundation on how to how a balance sheet and a P&L fits together. Um, but um, just like anyone else, they need to sort of understand the business behind that and, and what causes um, expenses to go up or down and, and revenue to increase. And, and that's really been the most interesting fun part and fun part of the journey is is seeing that development in the team. And so it, it does, there's, there's got to be some, there is a lot of preparation and that preparation gets tailored to really the audience that you have. If they don't have a lot of financial sophistication, you probably start out with just education on how a P&L works. And then you move on to some of the things about, you know, your particular business. And it, it just may take a little bit longer, but they certainly have the capacity to understand it, whether they're accountants or not. Did you actually go through a training process or was it a series of conversations? How, how did that look? We did go through a training process. Um, we got the team together in small groups and went through, uh, rather than kind of get the whole company together at once, we sort of had it broken down into groups, uh, smaller groups, and brought them in and sort of walked them through the financials over the course of about three, um, three or four different groups. And, and the smaller groups that allowed them to I think feel a little more comfortable asking questions and having more of a dialogue rather than it being a presentation. Um, so that happened over the course of a few weeks. So. I, I know at some companies, um, I, you know, I've heard from owners who've implemented this, hoping to you know better get, engage employees, get them involved in the running of the business. The hope being that you know on, on one hand they'll produce. Uh, you know, maybe better and more interesting ideas coming from, you know, people working on the front lines of the business, things that managers might never have thought about, um, but also, you know, maybe even enjoy their jobs more and feel, you know, more a part of a team and more engaged in what they're doing. And yet it doesn't always start that way immediately. Sometimes there's some skepticism. Uh, some employees feel as though, wait a second, now you're asking me to do your job too. Why are you throwing this additional burden at me? Uh, what, what was the uh, initial acceptance like at, at your firm? Um, you know, that's a great question. Uh, I think I, I'm going to say, from my perception of their acceptance, I think it was. I think it was really high. I think they felt like they'd uh, been waiting to be asked and uh, just having the ability to have a say. There is some additional work that's involved. There's, there's, well, at least in the way that, that we, that we do it, the methodology we use for open book management, we really ask them to um, own parts of the financials and, and, and project them. But that's also how they learn the financials as well. 
but we didn't we didn't have a huge hurdle in that regard um and and we we tried to do a lot around employee engagement and building a great culture when i mentioned increasing transparency in the time leading up to it and maybe that helped us but um but we were we were fortunate that and i just think i think that could be true for a lot of companies i think a lot of times people are just waiting to be asked and they feel respected when you kind of bring them on the inside of this information so uh you know let, let's cut to the the chase here you said you know you didn't do this because um you know, you thought it was a nice thing to do, or you didn't do it because you know you you just wanted people to enjoy their jobs more. Although I'm sure you you would like that, uh, you did it because you felt your firm wasn't as profitable as it could or should be, and you were hoping this would uh, improve that situation. What about open book management did you think uh, would help you improve your profitability, and and did it unfold the way you expected? Yeah, we had we had tried uh, a lot of different ways to try and get the team involved in improving profitability without open book management, um, various um, individual bonus programs and such, and just didn't didn't get didn't get a lot of traction. And what I especially um, after you know reading up on it some more and really diving in and talking to companies that have had success with it. You really have to kind of be all in and and get get everybody engaged. And when you do, you know, my my feeling was going in that we had a bunch of smart people around here that are making a lot of decisions about how they spend their time every day. And I have a professional services firm, and that's that's really our you know that that's what we're selling every day is really people's time and expertise. And my hope was that by educating them and, ha- and letting them have a say and then having them give us ideas, because they're there on the front lines, um, you know, giving us ideas about how we can get better every day and improve profitability, that that might have an impact in a way that me telling them what to do never did, because they didn't have a context when I told them. It was all about shoulds, and they couldn't see the why. And I hoped that open book management would educate them more about the why we would want to do that. I'm not hearing. Can you translate that right down to to the bottom line? I mean, were there? I I know um, a little bit about how open book works, but I've never you know been there and, and experienced it. You know, what? Give us an example of something that became more profitable. Yeah, well, I'll just tell you first from maybe a big picture standpoint, and then I can tell you from sure. a, from a smaller picture standpoint. So, from a big picture standpoint. We'd been trying to improve our uh, profitability and, and particular gross margin, which I'm, I don't want to get too accounting geeky on everyone here, but it's, it's basically uh, gross margin is that your profitability after the cost of your product. So for us, that would be after kind of paying all of the salaries of all the accountants doing the work, but before sort of office cost and all that stuff that, that um, is so, somewhat fixed. So for us, we had been trying to improve that gross margin percentage uh, for three to four years before we rolled out open book management. And we, with all the things we had tried, we had moved it maybe one percentage point. And, and that's almost rounding, to be honest with you. In the first year that we rolled out open book management, we improved it seven points. And that doubled our profitability in the first year. So, you know, it, it does have that's a impressive. meaningful impact. That's impressive. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, it wasn't me that did that. It was really the team that did that. They really took ownership for, for improving our performance and in, in, in the decisions that they make every day. So, um, and in the, in the smaller picture, um, I think that um, we are arranged in teams of accountants that do the work for a group of clients, say six, seven, eight clients. And... Um, when in the past, when we would say, hey, you know, it looks like you've got some capacity, we picked up a new client, here's a new client, um, we would typically get a lot of, it wasn't a popular thing, you know, because I'm going to have to work more, I have more work. Now, they were coming to us and saying, hey, I've got some capacity, I think I could take on another client. And, 
you know, one piece of all of this that is important note is they do have a bonus pool that is tied to that improved profit, uh, that improved company profit. So, um, so they have a stake in the outcome as well. It is, it's not just lining, you know, quote, lining my pockets, it's lining their pockets as well. We have a shared outcome in that way. Is the the bonus pool uh, an indi- done on an individual basis on their individual performance, or does everybody participate if the company as a whole hits certain goals? It can be, but I, I think the most successful companies have everyone in the same bonus pool, and because everyone really works together and rows in the same direction in that way, everyone's interests are aligned. So in our case, it is. It's based on um, a certain level of gross margin and once they get once we get above that 50 cents of every dollar goes into the bonus pool and then 50 cents stays in the company to be reinvested in growth so interesting let's take a phone call uh and this phone call is from a happens to be from a regular guest on this show jay goltz uh who owns a uh a picture frame shop and a uh home furnishing store in chicago and who i happen to know has thought a lot about uh, going open book uh, through the years, but has never quite pulled the trigger. Welcome to the show, Jay. Always good to be here. Um, I've been thinking about this for many, many years, and I'm in a very different situation. And in particular, we'll just talk about my framing business. I've got like 45 people working there, of which 35 work in a factory setting. It's all custom. And I have struggled with trying to figure out how to do this without ending up causing more problems in it, you know, with, with, without getting some un, unintended consequences that aren't good. Like, why is he getting a bonus and I'm not? I'm, he's got an easier job than I have. Or we would have made more money if he didn't mess that up. Or sales against production and production against sales and accounting against. It's just I, I've got it all calmed down. Everyone's working together now. And I, I've concluded that I'm better off doing nothing than doing something that can make it worse. But I, on the same token, think it's got some very appealing pieces of the puzzle. Thoughts? Uh, Chris, was that a concern of yours? Were you, uh, is there any concern in your mind about it, this somehow creating divisions within the company based on whether or not you uh, hit those goals that are set to, to get bonuses? Yeah, I think, I think that can be very true. We actually, in the years leading up to rolling out full open book management, where we have one bonus pool, we tried to do bonuses by teams, which could kind of be likened to departments. And that really was the result. There were teams that were regularly hitting their threshold and getting bonused, and then there were teams that were not. And the teams that were not, if they weren't close to getting their bonus, they just kind of gave up. And it didn't improve overall company profitability. In fact, it was a a hit to overall company profitability because the people that were making the bonus, uh, their teams that were performing well, weren't enough to make up for the ones that weren't. We basically were in the same place with our uh, you know, product margin, if you will, but we were also paying out bonuses at the same time. And so I think what was a really key characteristic, a couple of key characteristics were really the education piece up front and then having everybody be a part of one bonus pool um, so that when you have those situations where somebody is not maybe uh, as, as high a performer or is making decisions, there's a lot of peer accountability that starts to happen there. Um, and, and I think well, do you run a, the risk that, that I think Jay is suggesting, that e- even if everybody's in the same bonus pool, if, if you could have one department or, or even one person screwing it up for everybody, and that could cause problems. Do you worry about that at all? I think that the increased, I only have experience within, within my company, but the increased visibility do, um, really takes care of a lot of that. Um, but I will say we're struggling a little bit right now, a year and a half in. We've got some teams that, that are outperforming others, and um, they are starting to ask some of those questions. They've really, they're, they're our highest performers from just uh, on a lot of different levels, including financially, and they're starting to uh, ask questions about, hey, we've kind of been um, kind of carrying some of these other folks for a little while. You know, what can we do to sort of solve this dynamic? And, and we're kind of going back to them and asking them to help us solve that problem. And, and that's that enlisting, and, you know, enlisting the power of the team, and that makes a 
that that makes a big difference. So. Jade, is that ease your concern or reinforce no, it? No, he's not helping at all. <laughs> I know, I know, no, it, Don't do anything. It, so. <laughs> I, 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 you, I, you know, I will tell you in terms of the sophistication of the team, uh, the way we implemented uh, um, open book management was based on a book, uh, The Great Game of Business, which is a, a story of open book management, true story of open book management. Uh, at a factory uh, engine remanufacturing plant in Springfield, Missouri. So it's not about the sophistication of the team, um, and certainly it works. In fact, many, many open book companies are manufacturing entities, so it can easily work. Some of the most successful ones are that. Um, but it, 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 takes some, it takes some training and investment, and it, it, it takes some work. There's no question about it. So. Jay, are there other concerns you have, uh, uh, other reasons? Well, my other one is... And, and I have to tell you, I didn't care. I, I read the book. I sent some people to one of their seminars. And one of the problems we found is, you know, I'm in the home furnishing sector. All of my businesses are related to home furnishings and discretionary income and the economy. So when 08 hit, it wasn't pretty. I mean, I took a major hit. So I, was, I had to tread water for a few years, and I've had to claw my way back. And what we've what my people learned going to one of the seminars was there were other people that hadn't given out one of the bonuses in a while, and it wasn't going over big. And I've gotten turned off of the whole bonus thing in the big picture because I pay people fairly. My turnover is very low. My average person has been here 10 and a half years. I don't know that I want to start putting the bonus thing out there like, like the carrot and the stick thing. Work hard, you'll get some bonus, and then there isn't any. And the problem is, and anyone that does incentive things knows this, they don't have control over most of this stuff. They don't have control over, you know, the market. They don't have control over the house. They don't, so, so I'm uncomfortable putting the burden on profit and loss on employees who are just trying to pay their rent, mortgage, and putting food on the table. And I'm, I'm uncomfortable putting that on them. And I will only tell you after years of every single holiday, I would be stressed about, God, I wish I could get bonuses out. I, can I give them out? Do we have enough profit? And I finally went back to what I did in the first place, which is I do a loyalty bonus of they get a bonus every year of how many years they've been here. And I cut the check. And I got to tell you, it has reduced my stress level. I just, I'm happy. I gave them the money. Whether I make money, I don't make money, it's just not their fault. It's not their problem. With that being said, I absolutely see the benefits of of some of the pieces of the open book thing. I'm just trying to figure out, is it going to make it better or is it going to make it worse? Chris, that's yeah, a, yeah. an interesting point that Jay raises. Y- your experience so far has been, you know, a happy one. You, it's, you've been doing this mostly through a, you know, a good economy. Your profitability has increased. Uh, that won't go on forever. Uh, do you worry about what will happen when, you know, the numbers don't look as good? I do. I mean, part of the education process is we, I did show them sort of Venturity's financial performance life to date, if you will, and, and showed them some, uh, uh, some valleys in, in the performance, particularly 2008. We also took a pretty big hit and had some layoffs, and it was difficult. I think what we've decided to embrace as a company is by, by being open book, we'll all be out ahead of that, and we'll know, because... A lot of times in the absence of information, people make up their own story. So if the economy does start to turn, um, within the absence of open book, people start to worry and they don't know and they wonder if they should, if the company's stable and, um, and if they can actually see the financial performance, they know exactly where, uh, where we are and they can be part of solving that problem if we do start to turn uh, turn down. Um, and, you know, hey, do we need to really hire that person? You know, somebody quit. Do we really need to replace that position? I'll take that client. And there's going to be much more of my hope is there's going to be much more of an esprit de corps. Um, and there's a lot of stories out there of that's what's happened in a lot of open book management companies. I can't speak from personal experience yet, but I feel like hopefully you won't we're have going to be much better. Yeah, we're, we're going to be and you spend more of your time looking forward than back in an open book uh, company. And so you've got a much better uh, handle on the leading indicators in your business, too, so you can see around corners a little better. So when you say totally open book, define that for me. Do they know how much your salary is? Yeah, so it, it, uh, it's a good question. Everything except salaries. So they don't know my salary or they don't know uh, any of their peers' salaries. But they've got a pretty good idea. Um, 
based on uh, what we advertise for positions and what we typically hire people in at. Um, there hasn't really been a big problem around that or a lot of, they certainly understand that that's, um, that's part of the bargain is that that's the one piece we don't, but everything else, uh, I mean, they see my travel expenses, they see uh, meals and okay, entertainment. Okay, but to be fair, it isn't total, it's almost total book. I mean, to be fair, it's not yep. total. I mean, yep. because I don't want people that own businesses to think, oh, wow, well, that's, you know, because that's, you talk about a slippery slope with that, because I found that when business is good, everybody wants their bonus. But I've also noticed when you're hemorrhaging money and thinking about losing your house, no one's pitching into, let me give you some money, Jay. I know things are bad right now. <laughs> you know, there's no team, there's no team in losing money. So I, I, I don't feel guilty when I'm making money because I've also been at the other end and I, I just don't know. I don't want to make them my partners. They don't have the responsibilities of it. I don't want to make it their problem. And I, so when I hear people say total, I, I always question that. And I'm not sure I've met anybody that's done it that says, oh, yeah, they do know how much I make because I, you know, there's a line. Uh, yeah, there, there's very few companies in the country that have total transparency of, of salaries. Uh, I have talked says, to one uh, that does it. And much to my surprise, he made a much better case for it than I would have expected. His, his argument was, you know what? Everybody talks about that stuff anyway. Everybody's concerned about it. I'd rather just have it out in the open. Everybody should know. We, 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 we set our salaries based on uh, criteria that we spell out. And if somebody doesn't think that's what they should be paid and they want more, I, I want to have that conversation with them. I welcome mm -hmm. that conversation, and we let them know what they would have to do in order to to get that raise no, that they that's want. That's fine. That's for their salaries, but the <laughs> owner who's yeah. paying himself. Him Fair her, enough. That's a different story. Fair right? enough. That's my point. I don't need someone telling me, "GJ, I don't think you should make uh, you know that much money." I, you know, it's it's different, obviously. Jay. Thank you, as always, for calling in. Really appreciate it. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think you've given us a, a, another a, a view of another side of this, which uh, which is what you usually do. It is complicated, it's complicated sometimes. Complicated. Yep. It's, I would agree. It's complicated. All right. Thanks. Thanks, Jay. Let's go to uh, Bob in Michigan. Bob, welcome to Mind Your Business. Hi. Right, thank you. Yeah, I had a question um, around uh, the business model for the, the open book. Yes, sir. You know, so I have content... Yeah, I have content that I, I teach classes on app development, and I want to publish, you know, content. It's not necessarily for sale, you know what I mean, but it's basically content I want to use, you know, um, uh, for students. And, and so does the open book model work for a use case like that or, you know, not really? Chris, do you do you need to know more about oh, what Bob is doing to answer that question, or do you have a feel? Uh, well, is there is there uh, I guess is there money involved? That's the question. <laughs> it, it's marketing. No, so the, you know the, the the college basically you know they market the courses, um, but like you know I've been um, leveraging a lot of existing material, but I find that sometimes I have a need to provide my own material you know, for certain topics. And so I was just thinking about, oh, should that really be kind of like in, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, some sort of publishable material itself or, you know, just an electronic document or, you know, um, and so that's what I've just tried, been doing some research on my own, trying to figure out what's the best way to kind of manage this material that I you, create. Yeah, I think open book management is really is really focused on opening the financials in an operating business. Um, you know, it, it's definitely had some applicability in the world of nonprofits recently. Um, but, you know, if, there, if there's not a sort of an operating business as such, I don't know that, that that's kind of what we're talking about. Well, you know what? We may come back to this. Uh, I'm going to have to take a break in a moment, Bob, but I hope you'll keep listening. Uh, I know the... Um Chris referred to the great game of business, and we're going to talk more about this organization uh, that promotes open book management. And they've had success not just with nonprofits, as Chris just mentioned, but also with government agencies, which may be somewhat analogous to uh, the situation you're describing. Thank you for your phone call. Yeah. 
we, we need to take a, a quick break here. Um, but uh, my guest, Chris McKee, will be back with me in just a minute. If you have a question or a comment about any of us, our number is 1-844-WHARTON. That's 1-844-942-7866. You can call right now. Um, we will be continuing our conversation uh, both about well, why Open Book Works and, uh, and why it's difficult. You're listening to Mind Your Business. I'm Lauren Feldman, and this is Business Radio powered by the Warden School on Sirius XM 132. You're listening to Mind Your Business with the Wharton Small Business Development Center. Here again is Lauren Feldman. Welcome back to Mind Your Business. I'm Lauren Feldman. I'm here with Chris McKee, founder of Venturity, which in recent years has implemented open book management. Uh, he's been talking about why he did it and how it's worked out, how it's made his firm more profitable. You can learn more about Chris and his firm at Venturity.net. Um, and if you have a question for Chris or a comment about any of this, please give us a call. We'd love to hear your thoughts. We're at 1-844-WHARTON. That's 1-844-942-7866. Uh, Chris, we happen to have on the line somebody you know, uh, a representative of the great game of business, which you referred to before. Uh, Rich Armstrong, welcome to Mind Your Business. Yes, Lauren, thank you. Thank you. Hi, Chris. <laughs> hey, Rich, how are you? Good. Very good. Thanks. Uh, Rich, I, I don't know if you've been able to, to listen to the show thus far. Uh, we just had a caller express some concerns about um, you know, someone who's been interested in trying this but is wary of certain aspects of it. Um, and, and I think he, he left the conversation still wary about them. Did, did you hear that? Yeah, I did. I did. I, I, listened to, I think there's some great questions, great uh it's 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 interesting that uh, there's not always an easy answer to all of this, but I loved Chris's comment that sometimes you just get to a point to set aside the fears and trust your employees, and I think that that's that's usually what's holding people back in terms of um, uh, beginning open book management is their trust in their employees and their ability to not only understand this information but treat this information appropriately. Um, but probably most important is their their ability to use that information to help the business be more successful. And sometimes you just have to trust your employees and 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 let them take it and and run with it. And from our experience, that has been uh, very successful. So, so let me uh, take a step back here and make sure people understand uh, who you are and what you do. You are with the great game of business. And as Chris said before, um, this all kind of grew out of uh, one manufacturing plant in Springfield, Missouri, uh, a guy named Jack Stack, who uh, kind of uh, created this model, wrote a book about it with uh, Bo Burlingham. Uh, and the great game of business is an organization that uh, he created to kind of spread the word and share uh, these ideas. Now, you know, there are a lot of businesses that try to do this on their own, um, and that, that's one approach. Or they can go to an organization like yours and hire a consultant and um, get help implementing open book management, which is what you offer. Do, do I get that basically right, Rich? Yes, exactly, exactly. I think what makes us a little different is that a lot of the, the challenges that Jay talked about or concerns that he's talked about a lot of the process that Chris is going through, uh, we went through many, if not all of those ourselves in our own organization, SRC Holdings. Um, you know, we are a manufacturing company. Uh, we sometimes call it the living lab. Everything that we uh, share or, or help uh, clients with, uh, we've experimented with in our own organization. And so let me ask you, you know, obviously this is not for everybody. Um how often does somebody embark down this road and decide, you know what, this is not working, it's not for me, we're not going to do this? Well, you know, I think it, I think it certainly uh, happens. We don't necessarily see it happen often when they, they really engage with us. They've, they've, they've made a commitment to this. But when it does go um, uh, the other direction, and it usually is, it's just the commitment of the leadership uh, team. I think it was something important Chris talked about earlier is that, um, you know, this isn't an easy road to go go down uh, initially because it does take some time. 
some uh, a commitment from the leadership to take the time to teach your people the business. Um, but what I think Chris has probably seen and in, in many of uh, the companies that we work with see is that over time, this becomes an easier way of managing your business. It's much more free for the, for the leadership. They can, they can see their, their people start to take hold and take ownership, uh, true ownership of the, of the business and, and the results, and allows the leadership more freedom to think about the future and to think more strategically about the business and uh, take it to another level. I have spoken with lots of owners who have done this, uh, as you know, and I think that is the most common um, thing message I've heard, that it, so many have felt as though it took the, wor- the weight of the world off their shoulders. They no longer felt as though they had to solve every problem themselves. Um, have you had that experience, Chris? Yeah, I, I appreciate you asking. I, I have said many times over the last 18 months that we've been uh, open book management and, and playing it through the great game of business that... I feel like I've got, we've got, you know, 45 team members here, and I feel like I've got 45 people running Venturity, not just me. And uh, it's just been transformative. Um, and I am not spending uh, nearly the time, my, my job has been transformed because I am spending more time thinking forward and thinking about growing the company and providing opportunities for our team um, and, and, and trying to stay out in front of things versus running around trying to manage little things to try and get more profitability. Um, and so, yeah, it, it has certainly been my experience. So you're an accounting firm. You obviously have a lot of clients who, who are business owners. Have you had this conversation with many of them? Do, do you work with uh, other open book companies? Uh, one of our clients uh, actually was an uh, open book company um, for a long time. And that was where we first learned about it. And we sort of saw it in action. And that's how we um, that's how that's how we really were drawn to it. We said, you know, look at the impact it's having on their organization. Um, you know, we have been we we have, we regularly talk about it with our clients. And one of the opportunities for us, uh, we've 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 turned several people toward the open book management um, path. And I think uh, over the next, as, as we start to take the focus from getting our organization right and fully implemented with open book management. I think an opportunity for us is to work with our clients to help them become more, more profitable and educating them about these principles. And it's not going to be right for everybody, um, but, uh, but I think we hope to have an impact beyond doing their accounting uh, to really help them grow their business uh, and, and become more profitable using it. So, yeah, there's, there's certainly an opportunity there, and we've gotten a lot of a lot of head nods and a couple of uh, people who've taken us up on it so far. So I think it's it's been really neat. It's ch- it's certainly changed our conversations that we're having with clients. Rich, I don't know if you heard the the last call we had right before the break, but could could you tell us a bit, how does this work for uh, a government agency? I, I know that you guys have had some success with that uh, right there in in Springfield, Missouri. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, again, I think it was a. a you know, a great comment uh, by Chris and that, you know, this can really work with any company that really manages a business by financials, right? Um, is it about, you know, something that is, is, is needed to fund the business? And in a government, uh, uh, you know, institutions, um, they have a lot of, lot of issues there in terms of that balancing between what kind of funds that they can get and what kind of services that they can provide. And the great game of business and an open book management practices has been very helpful in terms of getting um, a lot more people involved in that equation, right? Um, um, understanding that there are limited funds coming in and what we can do um, to, to make uh, the best impact with those funds. Um, and this goes to, you know, all not-for-profit organizations that have used open book management is you know, a, a real balance between the mission of the organization um, and the money that is needed to fund that mission. And uh, no money, no mission. And so it's, it's, uh, it's worked really well in, in getting um, uh, those folks that usually, usually have not been in that uh, uh, discussion uh, to understand better of what those levers are to um, to improve the success of the organization, no matter if you are a profit for-profit bu- business, government institution, or a nonprofit business. 
I guess, you know, an important part of that that maybe we should explain further is kind of the the gamification aspect of this. Your, your organization is called the Great Game of Business. And I actually think that sometimes confuses people a little bit because they, they don't mm-hmm. understand what the game is referring to. But uh, I think, you know, that name evolves because uh, what you do is to uh, try to make sure that businesses are measuring the right metrics and turn it into a little bit of a game to see if you can uh, improve those metrics, which is something that could conceivably work for a government agency as well as it does uh, for a business. Can, can you explain what, you know, how that works? Maybe, Chris, you, you would, did you do, you know, I guess you guys call them mini games. Did you come up with that kind of gamification uh, plan at uh, the firm? Absolutely. I think, you know, there's an overarching game, which is the game of trying to improve whatever the metric is that you're trying to move. In our case, it was gross margin. So that's the big game that we're all playing together. But then you can break it down into what, uh, what you mentioned, mini games that target a specific thing that you want to improve. We've just wrapped up a mini game that we played. So our overall game is, hey, we're trying to improve gross margin. One of the things that we realized was an opportunity was improving margin on current clients through several different behaviors that we identified. And so we designed a, a game around, um, I guess it was around getting our house straightened out. And it was the, called the house that Venturity built. And it was getting you know, getting us efficient and effective in working with our current clients. And and because we've got new clients coming in, so we need to be as efficient as possible with the ones that we we have. And so that was about a 90-day game, and we had certain uh, thresholds that we had to improve gross margin on current clients with, and each team would report out each week um, their progress versus that. And I think the important thing for us uh, was not about, winning the game, although we did, um, and we did move gross margin on current clients up by five percentage points during the course of that 90 days. But it was about the conversations that we were having about how we did that. And, and by doing that, it teaches everyone about the business. And so that's what those great mini games are there. And it's, it, it is fun. You have prizes and, and, and there's rules around the game and it really is works like a game and it gets a lot of enthusiasm and energy going. So, Rich, we've we've heard from Chris um, both about you know kind of on the, the you know the, the small scale the, the the mini games the the steps taken um, that added up to improving the performance uh, of the business. He also talked about the importance of a company wide uh, bonus program that gave people a stake in the outcome. Tell us a little bit more about that. How, if you're going to embark on something like this, how important is the stake in the outcome aspect of it? Well, I think it, I, I think it is important in that the employees understand that if, if, if they do participate in helping the company be more successful, that there's some reward and recognition that will come with that. Um, so I think that, you know, that's a, a, a an important aspect uh, to close the loop in terms of what you're asking from your employees. Um, so uh, the, the the other thing about it is that um, the, the, the stake in the outcome um, ultimately is is uh, in a lot of different forms. I mean, it, you know, a lot of people look at it as being, you know, a bonus, um, a cash bonus as part of the stake in the outcome. But there's a lot of other ways that you can recognize and reward your folks they can see there's an advancement in the business because the business is growing more successfully. Um, if they can see that there's, um, you know, uh, new opportunities or new um, uh, things that they can do within the organization uh, that may be different than they ever thought about before is another way of, of you know, rewarding and recognizing your, your, your people. So there's a lot of, a lot of different forms of staking the outcome all the way up to, you know, equity in the business. Employee uh, ownership. And to employee Employee ownership, right? Employee ownership opportunities where it's actually tied to the value creation that you're getting in, in the business. So, the original company um, you're talking about, SRC, is of course uh, an employee-owned uh, business. What, what percentage of the companies that you work with do you think uh, head in that direction of employee ownership? Well, we we work uh, about fifty fifteen percent of the clients that we work with um, are in the employee ownership uh, arena. Um, but, um, it's interesting, probably about that same amount of percent of companies that come in and, and start, 
with the great game of business or open book management um, and eventually move into employee ownership is probably about that same same percentage about 15 percent of them they 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 feel like hey, you know maybe I'm three or five years into this and that this is a way um, to not only reward the employees further for the efforts they've, they've they've made in terms of improving the business but it's also tends to be a good exit uh, opportunity for owners because now they've taught their employees the business so they feel more comfortable about you know the opportunity to turn this business over to them Chris is that something that you've thought about yeah actually um, similar to the way rich uh, told it about that group that comes in not necessarily with that on their mind but then their thinking evolves in that direction uh, yeah I, that is that it's actually our plan and we hope to implement sort of the first phase of employee stock ownership in 2019 that's something I'm actively working on uh, you know I've, I've business is almost 18 years old now um, I'm in my early 50s uh, and it, it's a great way for me to transition ownership to the people who I really trust to take the business forward And I think they're probably going to do a lot more with it than I ever did and I think his point about this lens of the great game of business or open book management in particular teaching the employees about the business, it prepares them to own and run the business as well. So I, I think it, it all ties together together really nicely. It's not, again, for everybody, but it, it makes the most sense for our firm and what we want to accomplish and ha- really have really long-term thinking with, with our team. You know, it does kind of make sense if you think about it. I mean, one of the co- common refrains I hear from business owners all the time is that they want their employees to act like owners. Uh, well, there is one way <laughs> to get them to act like owners, <laughs> uh, give them a stake in the outcome. But, but Rich, I think it's important to, to point out, you don't have to have that in mind to set down this road, right? You, you don't have to uh, get to employee ownership for this to have value. Yeah, exactly, and and I think that is, is is critical. In fact, I would I would encourage any company to um, start to build an ownership culture before you actually provide ownership to your employees. Um, then they appreciate it, and then they know what they can do and what levers to pull to actually improve their own back, the value of the company. Um, we even see this in the employee ownership world: is that there's a lot of companies that embark on employee ownership for the for the you know the benefit of the exit let's say a tax advantage or something like that and they do it and they become very frustrated because they don't feel like the employees appreciate what has been provided to them and a lot of times it's because they've never taught them the business they 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 really do not understand what ownership means and what they can do to improve it so the the responsibility and accountability that they hope the employees would have because of this new um, uh, um, reward uh, is actually directed right back at them and saying, what are you doing to grow my, grow my stock? And uh, so we would really encourage them to build an ownership culture first. Unfortunately, we are just about out of time. Uh, Rich Armstrong of The Great Game of Business, thanks so much for joining us. Yes, thank you, thank you. Really appreciate it, Rich. And Chris, uh, thank you. Really appreciate you taking the time. I uh, hope I didn't put you on the spot too much. Oh, not a problem. No, I really enjoy it, Lauren, and I, 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 li- I love kind of sharing this with people. So you know, it's not for everybody, but it's, it's, it's uh, something that I love to kind of share, share it with folks so they'll have the opportunity as well. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play. 